Greetings, friends. Welcome to the What's Right Show. This is your host, Sam Rajovsky. Pleasure to be with you here today, live from beautiful downtown Las Vegas. Lots to go over today. I promise it'll be an entertaining show filled with substance and meaningful conversations. Uh, Before I get to that, a bit of housekeeping. I did uh, yesterday have a fantastic opportunity to sit down with a Garside Junior High School teacher here in Las Vegas. Clark County School District, look, uh, you've heard me rail against these clowns. Uh, The teacher in question, Shushan Sajadi, and her attorney, Brian Berman, were with me yesterday. And that conversation is now up on the podcast. What's Right Show, both on Apple Podcast and on Spotify. Go there, find this episode, subscribe to the show uh, so you get updates because periodically we will have these conversations where we sit down with someone and we do it not on air and I want to make sure you don't miss that so so you you will want to hear what this teacher had to say in some and these are all allegations right these are all allegations I have to say that but in some what she's what she told me is a handful of students came to her and 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 complained that they were strip searched at their school, and these were female students that are minors. They were searched by male authority figures at the school, and in the presence, uh, several uh, incidents of, in the presence of other students, which to me uh, sounds uh, very inappropriate. So, of course, teachers are mandatory responders. We talk about that. Uh, mandatory reporters, excuse me. We talk about that. So she has a duty to report it. She does so. She goes to her principal, assistant principal. They rebuff her allegedly, and then in turn begin to retaliate, uh, levying uh, multiple accusations against her. And so she becomes the target, and this alleged misbehavior and, and you know, potentially law-breaking on the part of the school and, and people there, employees of the district, is swept under the rug. Uh, one interesting thing in it that I've been thinking about ever since I concluded the interview with Ms. Sajadi is that it, it seems the the frustration for teachers who get targeted by the district is that they they are forced to go through the union mandated process grievance process before they're able these teachers are able to go to court and assert their their rights and what this the district appears to be doing is 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 adding new violations that keeps resetting the clock and adding time to that process, uh, frustrating Ms. Sajadi's efforts to file suit and proceed with litigation against the district. So, very interesting conversation. I highly recommend that you listen to it uh, in full. Uh, because, again, uh, be educated, know what's going on in the community, and, and especially, look, especially if you have kids here in town, you want to hear about this. This matters to you. All right, I, I want to say there's something else here that matters to you, and it's happening all the way on the other side of the country, in Pennsylvania. There is a Republican primary underway for the Senate. Now, the reason this this 
particular election matters so much in the Senate uh, in any state is because you, you're, I think, all acutely aware of what each individual voice in the Senate means to preserving some modicum of common sense in this country moving forward. Every senator, his or her voice matters. And these senators, they decide things for us regardless of what state we live in. They make decisions that affect all of us. And so I think it's, it behooves us to have a look at these elections that are occurring in other states, and, and especially the primaries, where you have uh, of a broad variety of candidates running, and some, frankly, may be better for the conservative movement than others. We also have to look at who's endorsing who. So in Pennsylvania... You know, the slate of, of candidates is is interesting. And there's some some names that perhaps you recognize. Dr. Oz. You know him. He's a cardiac surgeon. He's a celebrity physician on TV. He's got books. He's been a media darling for years. So everybody's familiar with Dr. Oz. Now, back on April 10th, Dr. Oz got endorsed by none other than the Trump himself. And Trump, you know, he he did his thing. He goes, look, this, this Dr. Oz guy, we all know him. We all like him. It's very important that, that Republicans take the Senate. Uh, he said, you know, it's a typical Trump fashion. He was making jokes, you know, that people take very seriously. But, but women love him, you know. I, I guess, I don't know. I, I should ask around if, if, uh, if women love Dr. Oz. But nonetheless, women love him. He's likable. He's, everybody knows him from TV, and I give him my endorsement because I think he's going to be strong in the Second Amendment, he's going to be strong on pro-life. He's going to be strong on, you know, the issues that matter. Now, there's another guy in the race who basically has been neck and neck for the most part, if you look at the history of the polling, uh, with Dr. Oz. His name's David McCormick. Now, he's a West Point grad and a hedge fund guy, worked uh, in the George W. Bush administration. He was a treasury official, which uh, I just automatically makes me suspect of him under trump he served as the ambassador to denmark uh, ambassadorships just so you understand friends those go to people that raise money for the guy that wins that's how that works so an ambassadorship will cost you as an individual uh, in the millions of dollars you basically pay for that so if you support a particular presidential candidate throw him fundraisers and donate to his super PAC to the, you know, in seven-figure increments, uh, you will be considered, you'll be put on a short list for an open ambassadorship. The big plums are, you know, London and, and Paris. Uh, Denmark, I, I don't think that's a big one, so maybe this McCormick guy didn't give enough money. Nonetheless, that's who he is. Now, the, the up-and-coming contender in this race is a lady named Kathy Barnett. And she was, I'm, I'm looking, I got the polls in front of me. And not for, you know, the, if, it gives you an idea of relativity, even if they're not precise. But if you go to the real clear politics average, which tends to be, you know, the best indicator of overall performance, you know, uh, Barnett has been somewhere around nine points, whereas Oz and McCormick have both been around 20. So she's been underperforming against both of her top competitors by at least 50%. In fact, she's been neck and neck with the other 
to kind of still underperforming candidates. But friends, she is surging. And she is surging because, in particular, of a really spectacular TV ad that she released. It's a four-minute ad. I'm going to play a couple parts of it because when I saw it, I, I, I was profoundly moved by it. And, you know, I'm an advertising person. I'm a lawyer. I advertise here in town, so I, I know a fair amount of advertising. I understand how advertising works, and I know that it's designed to, to move you emotionally, move all of us emotionally. So it's not often that I look at something and I, and, and I actually am moved by it. And it's this particular ad combined with how she's performing in the, in the debates that it, it are causing her to really get a second look by, uh, by the, by the uh, electorate. And I also think there's another thing at play here, and that is, this this Trump endorsement of Oz and Trump picks candidates. I want to say this for a second here. Trump doesn't always pick people, doesn't always pick the right people. One thing I noticed when he was president that frustrated me is he, he, he would oftentimes select key people in the administration based on how they looked and sounded. Remember Kudlow? <laughs> no, I mean, it's a, it's, I think it's a valid point. You know, Larry Kudlow. Well, he was, you know, he was a television guy. He was on Fox, uh, Fox uh, Network, Fox News, and on CNBC. And he was a, f a financial analyst on, on, on television. And, and, then, and then he gets, you know, obviously a, a key, uh, key job, you know, National Economic Council, uh, economic advisor to the president. And that's all fine and dandy, but really, in, in, in effect, you know, Trump picked him because he – he thought he would sound good on TV, not necessarily the substance of his day-to-day -day work in the office. And that is a little bit about what I think is happening here with, with Dr. Oz. I saw the Second Amendment ad. He posted, this is funny, I, we know a lot of you listening uh, probably own a gun, at least one. And more importantly, friends, you and I, we know how to handle guns. Look it up. Look up the Dr. Oz Second Amendment gun. It looks like the man has put, it's a shotgun. I think it's an over-under. Looks like, I don't know. Could I, I can't tell what kind it is, but it's an over-under shotgun. It looks like he's holding it for the first time ever. He looks, he, he looks like he's holding the gun the way I held my first child when, when he was born. Uh, like basically the the third baby in my life I've ever I've ever I've ever held. Um, <laughs> I it's it, it's ridiculous, and what it is is it's inauthentic, and that is precisely friends. The, the, the irony of it, right, is that Trump won on the basis of being a tremendously authentic candidate. That was his appeal. And selecting candidates that that have a TV following that are glitz and glamour that have sparkle, celebrity, you know, zest, if you will, is not enough to get the job done, is not enough to connect with voters. If you don't connect with the voters in the primaries, I know the difference between primaries and general elections. I know that the primary person doesn't always win the general. You've got to you can't you can't pick somebody too crazy. But I, I Kathy Barnett. And taking a closer look at her and seeing this race, I, I think she can win this. But I think there's a lesson for us here in Nevada, 
uh, in New York, in California, wherever, there's a lesson that authenticity of candidates matters. And I want to give this the time that deserves. I want to play a little bit of this ad, and I'll do it when we come back. So don't go anywhere. Got to take a quick uh, time out here. Uh, What's Right Show, we'll be back in just a couple minutes. Salmon Ash Injury Law has been named the official injury attorneys of the Henderson Silver Knights. Salmon Ash Injury Law, they care, they help, you win. 702-820-1234 or salmonashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. Listening to What's Right Show with me, your host, Sam Merjofsky, uh, coming to you loud and clear from beautiful downtown Las Vegas. The weather is perfect for the next, I don't know, 10 minutes, and then uh, we'll be back to being on the surface of the sun, uh, which is kind of the disposition of things here in Vegas. Still, it is a beautiful place to be. I know we have many of you listening all over, uh, from California all the way to New York. Uh, great to have you with us. Uh, and appreciate uh, your loyalty. Uh, Talking about the Pennsylvania Senate race, the takeaways, the lessons, why it's important for us, you're seeing a surging candidate, Kathy Barnett. Now, she is an African-American lady, conservative commentator from Fox News. She's a retired Army reservist, and she is spending almost no money up against two candidates who have spent, I think, north of $13 million apiece. Dr. Oz, who we all know, and a guy named David McCormick, who's a big party donor, big Republican guy, worked in Bush White House, George W. Bush White House, and was also ambassador to Denmark under Trump. So you, you, you've got these two, two Republican guys, one of them endorsed by Trump, Dr. Oz, the other guy, uh, not so much. And this third candidate who really is a spectacular communicator. And I, I, I will just say this, she put out a tremendous ad. Uh, talking about her position, why she's pro-life. I want to set this up a little bit for you so you understand what's going on. Because, again, I'm not going to play all four minutes of it. It's a video. It's, you know, it's, some of it's visual. So I, I, I got to remember this is radio and theater of the mind. But this is a, a side shot, a very, very dramatic side shot of her sitting in her home uh, talking about her experience, her mother's experience, rather. Her mother she explains, has been the victim of a rape at 12. This is a very, um, it's a very emotional topic for her, and, and she gets emotional. She talks about her mother being, uh, being, uh, being raped, and uh, there was apparently no discussion that she would carry the baby, and the, the baby was her. And she talks about that, that miracle that is the gift of life. So this is uh, the first bit here. Uh, Kathy Barnett, uh, GOP Senate primary candidate in Pennsylvania. And this ad is the beginning, right? The beginning point of her political turnaround where now she's competing with two guys, both of whom have spent a collective of $25 million. And she spent next to nothing, but she's getting traction. Uh, So listen to this. Her gender, they called her a Negro girl, and that was the first thing I saw, and it just kind of grabbed my heart. But then I saw her age, and she was 12. And that just really struck a chord in me because I realized just how young my mother was when something so horrible 
had visited upon her. Even to this day, it's a very hard word to say, but my mother was raped. Given her young age at 11 years old, my father being 21. Yeah, it's very hard. And I'll tell you, you know, watching it, I, I, I watched it with my pro producer here with, uh, as we were preparing for the show and not a, you know, not a dry eye here at the desk. So then she continues, and, and her mother, Kathy Barnett, Barnett's mother, she's running for uh, the Pennsylvania Senate primary uh, here, uh, is, listen to, to this. She continues in explaining about the miracle of life and the value of life, and, and her, her mom comes on camera and, and begins explaining kind of her, her perspective on this. They was hurt. We was all devastated. But my mother said, you know, you're pregnant, so we're going to get through this. And she helped me get through it. I don't want to use the word choice. She was going to be born. I didn't have a choice to say, you're going to live, or I'm going to abort you. That wasn't a choice for me. And I thank God it wasn't a choice for me. As a child, I knew no difference. I was loved, and um, I felt loved. It gave me a greater appreciation for my mother. It helped me to forgive a lot of the mistakes someone at that age, having gone through such trauma, would have made in their own parenting. But it definitely made me become very adamant about the sanctity of life, of all life, regardless of their conception, regardless of how they arrived that I am <laughs> valuable, I'm worthy, and my life has purpose. Yeah, this is this is powerful stuff, and it, and it's a again it's a it's a four minute ad. We'll put it up on What's Right Show on our Instagram and Twitter, so you can get the link to this uh, particular uh, ad, and you can see it. Um, but you can understand, right, that that the other guy that's endorsed by Trump, is putting up out ads saying he supports the Second Amendment. He can't even hold the gun. Literally looks like he's never held a gun before. And here, the authenticity, the realness of what Barnett is saying is, is spectacular. Now, I'm going to finish the, the, you know, the question that a lot of people are asking is 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 this a screw up on Trump's part you know do you, do you you know you back a candidate is this a mistake is this you know is this a result of some kind of vanity or you know a weakness of his and perhaps some of that is is true now Trump is endorsing candidates across the country and some are winners and some some aren't you know and the other thing is is Trump does like to win this is a, a known thing of his and most of the time, by the way, any politician that has any clout to give doesn't want to pick a loser because that is diminishing to that politician's, to the endorser's brand. So there is that issue, right? He does want to pick somebody that's known. And, and early on, Barnett was not known at all. And Oz, of course, has tremendous household uh, name brand recognition. But I, I do think the problem is, is that if we are to be successful as a movement, as conservatives uh, in this country, we have to be real. We have to be authentic. And if we are to win hearts and minds, for example, on the question of abortion, which I think 
now is evidently clear, hopefully will go back to being a political question that will be solved politically through a democratic process, right? If Dobbs ultimately is the decision is released as we as we seem it seems to be the case, we got a sneak peek on that. It'll be a political question. It's going to come down to persuading others that there is another way and that life has value. But it's better to persuade and it's better to uplift and it's better to to speak from the heart than it is to scream at people, than it is to to shout, uh, than it is to, uh, you know, certainly uh, uh, go and bang pots and pans uh, in front of people's houses and demand that your point of view be be honored, respected, and made law. So for me, as I as I as I look at this, I I see a template, you know, for for here in Nevada, uh, for our candidates. I look at the at the frankly at times absolutely sorry field of Republican candidates running, and you 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 and as a Republican, I'm sure a lot of you feel this. You look at who's out there and available, and you kind of go, oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> There's no one here I'm excited about. It doesn't matter that Trump comes in and 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 supports this guy or the other guy or this person or that person. None of that none of that endorsement matters because what we're in this for is heart. We're in this for for belief, and that's what ultimately matters. All right, what's right show? We'll be back uh, after this. We're gonna. I want to talk about this Bitcoin collapse. This is big news, and we'll definitely get to that. So, don't go anywhere. Quick break. We'll be back. Right after this, What's Right Show here on KXNT. See you in a minute. Comfortable and confident is how Sam and Ash Injury Law clients feel after the very first call. Comfortable knowing they have decades of personal injury experience. Confident there's reputation and trust to resolve cases and to do what's right. Sam and Ash Injury Law offers platinum legal service to anyone who contacts them. Quality matters. Integrity matters. Who you hire to protect and represent you matters. If you've been hurt in an accident, choose Sam and Ash Injury Law. 702-820-1234 or salmonashlaw.com because you deserve what's right. And welcome back. What's right show here on News Talk AMA 40 KXNT. Uh, great to be with you folks. Um, yeah, I, I think as we're, we're getting into this question of these elections, these primaries, Republican primaries and big hot button topic that is abortion. I will tell you, I, 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 it'll, be, it'll be very interesting to see. I think by July, I mentioned we would have uh, the decision from the Supreme Court on Roe. And that case, by the way, is Dobbs. It's the one that, where the draft opinion written by Justice Alito was released. We've all studied it and read it. Now, there's things that it does and there's things that it doesn't do. What it does is it returns the question of abortion back to the legislative political process. And that means that it doesn't outlaw abortion. It simply takes away the 
constitutional protection of it. It's a very important distinction. So when abortion becomes a political issue, it's either solved at the federal level, which I have doubts about that constitutionally it's possible, but nonetheless, certainly at the state level, states can decide what laws to enact. And there is a standard then for review by the Supreme Court if, you know, if, if these laws have to comport, you know, comport with the Constitution generally. Now, that means that states like California, Nevada, Massachusetts, and others uh, that, are, that have a population group that overwhelmingly supports abortion are likely to enact laws or certainly not pass any laws that, that prohibit abor abortion, right? Either enact laws that protect or just leave it alone. And, and, and then in an absence of law, right, means that something's not prohibited. So there is a legal response to this. There is a political response. And then finally, there's a moral response. And I think I've been pretty open with you that I've, I've, I've struggled candidly with this topic uh, for quite some time because it's, it's really one of the most difficult, philosophically challenging things for me to, to come to terms with. And I, friends, have an opinion on everything. <laughs> so for me to come to something and an issue and not have a clear answer uh, is, is, is a challenge. And I think I think I have gotten to it. And because I, I, I value the time that we have together and I, 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 I try to be as, as open and honest with you as I, as I possibly can be here uh, behind the microphone, I will tell you where I'm at with this. And in the list that I gave you, I'm going to work backwards. I'm going to start with the morality of abortion. And this is for me personally. This is where I'm, I'm coming from. The morality of it for me is a no-brainer. I, I, think, I think abortion is horrendous. And I think if you listen to this program, you heard last week and the week before us talking and sharing some, some clips of, of uh, just testimony. I, it's, it's, you cannot listen to it and not be moved. So for me personally, I am grateful that I've never been in a position where I have, I have, I've even had to make a choice regarding ending a life. And I personally am, am, am very grateful for that. And, and if I were in that position, I, 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 I absolutely know that I would not want to end a pregnancy if I had any say in it. Now, the second thing is there's a legal consideration. I'm a lawyer, and law and constitution, they matter to me. Now, Roe to me, in terms of, you know, of, of, of a, a legal uh, – to me, Roe is a legal fiction, and we've talked about this here. I, 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 the, the cobbling together this convoluted privacy right within the constitution that somehow guarantees the right to an abortion at a constitutional level – to me is judicial activism. It's judges literally creating law, and that is not what our founders intended. So if Dobbs ultimately becomes the controlling opinion here, the matter becomes political, as I explained earlier. It's decided by the people. It's decided state by state. And here is where my political opinion ultimately is at odds with, my, with my, my sense of morality, and that is I am a small government Republican. 
That's who I am. I fundamentally want the state out of my business as much as possible. And I know you're listening to me. You know what I'm talking about. You understand that. That is a fundamental thing for me. And so I ultimately politically think that the government should stay out of this as much as possible. And I favor it not being something that is regulated by the state, it being abortion. And it, it you know, look, there are, there are other things that, that are certainly more, more flippant and, and parallels. I could say there's other things that I don't like. For example, I, I don't like gratuitous hunting. I'm an animal lover. Now I eat meat and I live with that because I love a good steak and I had a great one last night. And we talked, we will be talking about that with John Curtis, by the way. Uh, so that, uh, that episode will drop soon and do our full food Friday episode, uh, on the podcast. But listen, I, I, I eat meat, but you don't, um, but I just, I'm not, I'm not a hunter. I also don't favor the government outlawing hunting. Because for me, the most important thing is to keep government as minimal as possible and keep as much of our freedoms as is possible. And that is why the ad that I played for you last segment from Kathy Barnett, who's running for a Pennsylvania Senate uh, primary here uh, in just uh, election, I think is a week away. She uh, is, the ad is so compelling because she's making an argument for why life should trump, you know, a pro-life position should trump a pro-choice position. It's persuasive. And that is what we ought to try to do, but not use the government uh, to, to enforce that, is my, is my view. All right. Tough stuff, and I, I, I want to I stay on top of this. I want to take a quick break a little bit early, if we can, and, uh, and when we come back, uh, get into crypto. Yeah, th this, there, there's a bloodbath coming in the markets, in particular for cryptocurrency. What does this mean? Who does this affect? Uh, if you're not in crypto, does it matter to you? Maybe. So stay tuned. You're listening to What's Right Show here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Welcome back. You're listening to What's Right Show. I'm Sam Merjofsky, your host, powering through this hour of fun uh, and information as well. Um, yeah, I, I, this crypto thing, I, I want to get to this because there are a ton of people here in Vegas who are, uh, who are all about cryptocurrency and have been investing in it heavily. Some people have put uh, pretty much everything they have into it. And life was good when it was going up, up, and away. I remember about a year, about a year ago, I was, uh, I had a two, uh, three day visit at UMC. Great experience there, uh, and a couple of the of the nurses uh, taking care of me were were talking about crypto and how they're all investing into crypto and and how uh, they're just basically making more than their salary on their on their investments. And, it, and so, so I think a lot of people listening right now go, oh, thank goodness I'm not in crypto and I'm, I, I never got into it and it's not, it doesn't matter to me and, it, and, and I, I can put it out of my mind. 
But depending on how many people in a given area invest in crypto, if the bloodbath continues, then you're going to find some real economic pain around you, and that can spell trouble uh, for all of us. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So the Dow Jones right now, the, the stock market, traditional stocks uh, are, are, is down. Uh, sixth great day. Uh, it's just uh, – it's, it's, it's not good. But by comparison, right, uh, the, some of these cryptos, uh, uh, there's one that plunged, I think, 20% in 24 hours. Bitcoin lost uh, 11 uh, and a quarter percent. Luna, which is another, uh, lost almost all of its value overnight. That's from yesterday to today. And even though I think crypto remains a little correlated with S&P 500, I, I want to point out that there's traditional investing is, uh, is, still, is still king. And, you know, fundamental principles matter. So you have a wise investor, for example, like Warren Buffett. Berkshire Hathaway is, I think, up 6% for the year. And overall, Bitcoin is down 20 30% when you average everything together. I mean, that's a big spread. So you see that traditional investing, even though it's slow and steady, can get you a gain even in a marketplace that is, is getting, getting battered. So what happens if in your neighborhood a handful of people have everything in Bitcoin and lose it all? What happens if they can't afford their mortgage? What if they have to fire sell their house and all of a sudden you have a, a comp that pops up right next door to you, a couple comps that pop up in your neighborhood for significantly less than what you bought your house for? See, there's, there's economic ripples like that that, that can occur. Uh, I know that, for example, a number of people from Las Vegas and California have opted to move to Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, you can sign up for a special program there and move there. And you know, as long as the, the crux of your business activity is in Puerto Rico, like investing Bitcoin, you are you're, – I think you're getting taxed at maybe 1%, 1.5%, some ridiculously low amount. You're not paying the usual federal 35 37% rate. Uh, as a high-income individual. So a lot of people go there to live in Puerto Rico and buy big houses, and the houses are ridiculously expensive. I mean, I'm predicting a, a housing crash there if this, if this cryptocurrency collapse continues. But locally, it can happen too, and it can set off a firestorm. And by, it's not just super wealthy people. Back to my point of what I overheard nurses at, at UMC talking about how they're, they're trading in, in, in Bitcoin. And other other uh, other you know other of these cryptocurrencies, and putting in a significant amount of their money and having a significant amount of money that they were that they were also using in turn to uh, increase their lifestyle. So this does terrify me. A background on all this too, by the way. Matt Damon, he starred in a crypto commercial a little while ago, and the ad is still running. So he's out there, <laughs> you know, as a pitch man. For uh, crypto.com, uh, crypto.com. By the way, they the, the Staples Center in LA. You know where the Lakers and the Clipper, Clippers play. The, the LA Kings. Boo. Uh, where they play, uh, they um, that's where the that's that was renamed crypto.com. It'll be funny to see if they can honor that deal. What what does that cost a deal like that? I had it here in front of me. It, I mean, 
it's it's a it's a, it's tens of millions of dollars. So with the we, we'll see where this goes, but there there's going to be a ripple effect, even if for those of us who are not necessarily trading in this. All right, yeah, we will get to it. I know. Trust me, we've we've got time. We're gonna uh, the, the, Joe Biden. This is this was great yesterday. And we'll do this for our what the hell did Joe Biden say today. Uh, Wednesday, Biden was in Chicago. And he spoke at a union confab for the 40th International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. And he started wandering a little bit off off track. I mean, he's complaining about how Republicans, you know, during Trump, you know, people were lined up in food lines. And listen to this. Remember the long line of television, television, people lined up all kinds of vehicles, just to get a box of food in the restaurant. How could we forget? People were hurting. And what does the Democrat want to do? Forget it. Forget it. God, this is the United States of America. The idea. Oh, we literally can't get baby formula right now. I have no idea what he's talking about. I asked around. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to be, you know, Mr. Anti-Biden over here. I, I asked my friends, I, 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 I asked people who like him. Sent him the clip. I said, what is he talking about? Is he talking about the shutdown? Is he talking about, you know, when COVID struck the country and we shut everything down? And uh, there were, you know, there certainly here in Nevada, we had people lining up for food. And I saw it. And I remember when when Ash and I, my, my partner, law partner, we, we went out and we were donating to various kitchens and and charities. I, I mean, yes, you're, you're right. I mean, that was a that that certainly all that was Trump's fault. Correct. But then my favorite part of this whole <laughs> dog and pony show of Biden's yesterday in Chicago, my favorite part is he has a new name for Donald Trump. And remember how great Trump was with the zings. I mean, Trump had the best names, you know, Sleepy Joe, for example, that was that that stuck, right? Crooked Hillary. Well, <laughs> you're gonna love this, and you know, you know, Biden didn't write. I, this is this is such, it's such amateurism, really. But uh, by you, you decide. Here we go. Okay, you reduce the deficit. The great MAGA king. So Trump is the great MAGA king. Um, I, I, is that going to stick? Are people going to call Trump the MAGA king? I don't think so. Uh, I might start doing it here on the show just to you know give a nod to those of you who think I'm too hard on Joe. Uh, but I, I, this is this is absolutely uh, bananas to me. I, he, he, he's. Um, it's amazing to me that someone can speak with a straight face about how bad the economy was under Trump. 
when I will tell you energy independence and and job joblessness very low, and not only that, we didn't have any underemployment. We had uh, gas was what? How much? Under two bucks a gallon, two dollars a gallon, two fifty a gallon. It's six now. What did bread cost? You could get cars. You didn't have to wait seven months to get a car that you wanted to get. This is such a load of baloney. And all of this disaster that we're in right now is created by Biden and his stupid policies. I mean, let's just take the gas for a minute. Today, news broke that we, I guess the new policy of the United States is to revoke leases, and not offer any new leases in Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico because oil leases, right? Drilling leases, because gosh forbid, we would want more domestic production of oil. But the dirty secret that they will not tell you is that they want the price of gas to be as painful as possible. And the reason for it is, is if you find gas prohibitively expensive, you basically are reduced to having to choose between an expensive electric car, which of course is their wet dream come true, or walking to work, which they like to. Now, Biden himself will never electrify the beast, the presidential limousine that runs on a you know V16 diesel engine. So it's not, you know, he's going to buzz around in Air Force One because he's the president of the United States, of course. But he's going to tell you and me that we, what our choices are, how we use fossil fuels is, of course, detrimental to the planet. But I'm not making this up. This is how they think. So to them, these high gas prices are good news. And they don't even want to address it. They want to talk about the deficit. Never mind that, you know, Trump had COVID, you know, what is it midway through his term unbelievable all right like that an hour of radio excellence has gone right by us please check out the podcast by the way the what's right food show that we do every friday will be on the podcast starting tonight with uh with john curtis uh, we're sitting down having a great conversation about uh about a lot of different things including the mario batali uh, case that has now resulted in him being declared not guilty. So we'll talk about that when we get uh, him here in the studio later today. I look forward to having you hear that. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Be back here Friday. Have a wonderful day. What's Right show. Sam Rajofsky, over and out.